Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me for this conversation about Titans doing battle is the man I would choose for my Jaeger partner, Coles. <laughs> Good afternoon, and um, I don't know about the Jaeger, but if you can switch that out, substitute it with something a little bit less strong, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean a Jaeger as in Pacific Rim, because I am ready for the crossover movie. I need to see oh, yes. giant robots at this point <laughs> immediately. Spoiler alert, by the way. But much like Godzilla vs. Kong itself, uh, there's really no need for an overlong intro to this one. So we are going to just drop right into the action. Kales, what is your one word takeaway? Well, the big appeal of a monster film like this is that you're looking to see how much damage and how much, you know, mayhem we we can get with these two prehistoric titans fighting each other in these big stylish lavish looking cities and so my one word takeaway was destruction because there's a lot of it in this film i mean i feel that the final tally would probably be over trillion dollars of destruction especially in the final battle of hong kong i mean ships you know skyscrapers cars bridges boats i mean anything that you can think about is getting destroyed in this film like this is disaster porn to the max but it's glorious. I mean, it, it looks amazing. It's directed in a great way, and it never really fully lets off the gas. It really lets the monsters do battle in these cities, and we'll get into later on the human costs into that, which might get a little bit dour and sour. But for a film like this, this is what I imagined for Godzilla and Kong from the Beast since I was a kid. This is the matchup that I've been dreaming about, and it fulfilled all my desires. Well, my word is actually a synonym of what you just said, fulfillment, because my word is gratifying, and it's for that exact same reason. So, after the letdown that was King of the Monsters, where we had this Godzilla film that was going to feature all these different incredible monsters from Godzilla's filmography. We had Rodan, King Ghidorah, we had Mothra. I mean, really, probably the biggest problem with that movie is they pack too much into it too soon. It has, like, Justice League problems where it's like, instead of kind of slow playing the monsters, they just threw them all at us right away. Well, but not to get harp on that, but the point being is that, like, that's kind of what we expected to get in that movie, and we really didn't get the way that we got it here. And I think it's partially because we pulled it back to two characters and to two characters, to two titans, two monsters, whatever you want to call them, who both have solo buildup previously. So there's investment there. I mean, I will tell you right off the like Kong Skull Island is my my favorite monster verse movie, probably. It's right there with Godzilla. They're close, but I think Kong is I like Kong more, so probably Kong is my favorite movie. And so I have a connection to that character already. I've watched two movies with Godzilla. So when you bring them together, yes, this is what we wanted. And it works because of that. It's more, it's able to be gratifying. And like you said, I mean, I just think Wingard understood what this needed to be. I love that you call it disaster porn. And it is disaster porn. 
we have a fascination with that in the world and that's okay at times and and it just it, it hits everything you want it to be it is the big fight scenes and action and just enough plot to get you to the point where you're going to get the next action scene and that's all we want and if you want more well that's all i wanted i should say mm-hmm. And if you go back to the old films that these are based on, this is what that is trying to copy. And it's not trying to be something more than that, something more serious than that. So it's not failing in that regard. And so for me, I was ready for this. I was prepared mentally with my expectations in check for what I was going to get. And yeah, it it was a home run, like knocked it out of the park. Just absolutely mind-blowing experience. I got seen in IMAX. I'm not going to lie. You know, there is something to being able to take your son. I'll tell a quick story. I remember when uh, Kong School Island came out, it was right before I got my press credentials here in Seattle. So I was still attending films early. I was going to preview screenings, but I was doing it on my own. So I would wait out in line for a couple hours for a seat. Well, because of that, I would sit in the back row. So in press, we typically get the first couple rows in the middle of the theater, like the prime seating. But because I was not press yet, my son and I took him and we sat in the very, very back row center for Kong School Island. And it was memorable. And for this film, the same thing happened. So it's like our first trip back in a year and we're sitting in the very back row in the middle for this movie. So it was kind of a cool, like, callback to when we saw the last Kong movie, you know, and it just, it, it all kind of came together to make this really cool experience for me. So yeah, it was, it was good and definitely gratifying for sure. I could have had the same story as you did, you know, not as far as taking a son or anything, but being, you know, with my girlfriend and her child to the fear this weekend to experience what you experienced. But sadly I had a fear of COVID this week and I had a really bad flu so I had to sit this one out and crank it up on the 55 inch OLED but even through the OLED I know it's a smaller screen experience but I have a sound soundbar so the sound was there and the visuals were still gorgeous as ever so I mean even with theater or if you're watching this on your TV I mean this film is just a beauty to look at it really is and I'm jealous of your Sonos soundbar big time um, but I, I too have a nice 4K TV and a, and a pretty good surround sound system at home. And I watched it a second time at home and it absolutely was fantastic. So uh, yeah, I'm glad that people can still have an awesome experience with this who can't get out to a theater. Uh, but if you can get to a theater, I, I would encourage you, if you feel safe and you're not sick, it's worth it. It is, it is absolutely like this is a movie that will benefit from seeing it in a theater. I cannot tell you how many of my own like squeeze and shrieks and yelps and like, Oh my God. And is that what I think it is came out and nobody could hear me because it was so loud, which was perfect. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) Well, spoiler alert. We're going to talk in depth now and you do not want this spoiled. I'm already peeved because I've seen articles as soon as Sunday all over the internet with pictures of things in them and words in the titles of the articles that completely spoil major amazing surprises that are in this film. It it drives me mad. Uh, It makes me very, very upset, honestly, because these websites, these news sites just won't allow people to have that experience and give them time. So we're telling you, if you're listening to this by chance and you haven't seen the movie, stop what you're doing. 
It's less than two hours. It's a great run run time. Go watch it on HBO Max. Uh, go to a theater, see it, and then come back and listen after that. All right. Well, the f- common criticism, and this is where I kind of want to start, is that films in the MonsterVerse have lackluster human characters. I mean, to put it bluntly, that is a common thread throughout the majority of these films. I would say it probably is not thrown at the original Godzilla film from 2014 as much. It's definitely thrown at King of the Monsters, and to an extent it's also thrown at Kong Skull Island. And now we have heard it pop up about this film as well. Was the story able to sustain our enjoyment? Or was the way that the human characters were handled something that took away from our enjoyment? I wanted to start, and I I just got to tell you, I kind of feel like I've done a 180 on this. Because when we watched King of the Monsters a couple years ago, I went into that, Kales, and I was expecting serious. So, and I think that that's partially because Godzilla Mm -hmm. itself is a much more serious movie. Like, when people die in Godzilla, it's not funny. It's like, ugh, people died. It's sad, right? There's 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 this dad. Yeah, there's a dad trying to get back to his family, his wife and his kid and all this stuff. And then we get to King of the Monsters, and all of a sudden, it's campy villains and human characters, and just everything is exaggerated, and Brad... Whitford is, you know, reprising his cabin in the woods role with his commentary down there in the ship and stuff. And it's just it's funny. And and I wasn't prepared for that personally. And I wanted serious. And so I had a very adverse reaction to the film when I watched it again recently, knowing that it was much more in line with the old Godzilla series of movies and camp from Japan I was actually able to enjoy it a lot more because I detached myself from caring so much about the humans and I just used let them get me from point A to point B. So I enjoyed it a lot more. And and I went into this one with that expectation. And so like we always talk about expectations can make or break your experience. And for me, they made this one because I didn't care. And I, I will tell you, like, we'll start with the kids. The kids, I think people could immediately latch on to Millie Bobby Brown, uh, the daughter of Kyle Chandler's character who runs Monarch, and her friend, what was his name? Josh, I think? Josh. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, jo- Josh. yeah. He he's a very like Spider Man buddy bro kind of vibe to him, the way he makes jokes, right? He kind of reminds you of Ned. And I, those characters are really silly. Like everything they say is it's ridiculous their their involvement in the plot is ridiculous what they're trying to do and accomplish the way they talk going up to this candy store owner you know or drugstore owner <laughs> slapping a ten dollar like we want information um it's it's hammy but here's the thing that i realized when i was watching it this is a family movie this is meant to appeal to a wide range of a demographic right from mostly youngish children you know 10-ish whatever all the way up to your older adults so everything in the movie isn't going to be for one demographic and so for me i found some of the lines to be really silly but i looked over and my teenage son who's 16 is giggling because 
it's language that he's familiar with and it's things that he would say. And I was, I mean, it just hit me. I was like, oh, this is what we're doing here. Like we are making this movie in a way that appeals to all these different demographics and it works. And and I think that's okay in a movie like this, because again, the humans aren't supposed to like follow this perfect thread and be these characters that are deep and have all of these incredibly powerful moving storylines. Nah, man. They just get us to the point where Godzilla and Kong can punch each other. And so I, I didn't mind them at all. And and I just love Millie Bobby Brown in general. I don't think she can really do anything wrong. Um, She's just so charismatic. But I, I thought they were pretty cool. It's like you're in a relationship with somebody. Like everybody, that some your spouse, they're not perfect. You know, there are going to be some flaws that they have that you just have to live with. You just have to take it and roll with the punches. And I realized that with this series... For me, Congo Island, before I watched this film, was the pinnacle because I felt that they had gotten the right tone and attitude for these films. Like, show us monsters fighting each other, bashing their heads in, show some campy characters, have some jokes here and there, and maybe have a little bit of a dramatic license in the story. And I'm settled and I'm cool with that. And make it at least under 110 minutes, and you got yourself a good monster film. For me... I felt that director Adam Wingard, he was able to choose the right way of how to do this film, which is focus on the monsters. For me, I came in with the same expectations as you. I was not expecting to see any strong development for the human characters. Now, we do, in the early part of the movie, get a scene with Bernie where he's talking with Madison and Josh, and he's telling them their backstory about how he came to be, you know, doing this podcast and trying to find out the truth about the Titans and he had a wife that passed away and you know he has like this flask that's in his gun holster that he has just in case he wants to just in case something doomsday happens and he can be ready to end himself right then and there like not die sober so that's the only bit of character development we have and that's all we really need the the big stars of this film are the monsters for me i did not like i love godzilla the first film in this series i did like godzilla but for me, the dark tone and just the dramatic story, especially the way that it opens, you know, with the father losing his wife, like, yes, that's it's okay. It's a compelling subject matter, but it takes away from from what these films are billed as, which are summer blockbusters. That's what these films are always billed as. And when you see them in the trailers, you get the resounding music, you get all the explosive shots, all the slow motion and all the visuals, and they're meant to be visual spectacles that you watch you have fun with entertain with and maybe come to watch again and take your family with you and i feel that this film is the perfect theater film for anybody who wants who feels comfortable going right now i mean like i said for my sound bar i could hear the booming sounds of when kong hit godzilla in the face or when godzilla powers up his atomic breath and you hear the powering up and then you hear all of it just bursting through your ears and that's such an awesome sound effect i just said that (laughs) i mean it sounds like a turbine engine like spinning oh man it is oh it's awesome waiting for it to just (laughs) also a great sound effect i when mega when we first see mega godzilla in this film and he does a roar when he fully powers up i thought that was another great moment too as well and having moments like that and having the humor like these films shouldn't be dark in tone. If I want to see that, I'll watch an A24 film or I'll go watch an Our House film. Like, these films are not ever to be taken as films that are going to win Oscars or Golden Globes or be, like, critically acclaimed. Like, no, they're here to do a job of putting a lot of butts in the seats, 
and showing monsters fight each other in this alternate world. Like, that's the thing about films. We go to the theater to get away from real life. And we go and have these dreams that showcase us on the screen and they make us happy. And that's what I felt with this film. What did you think about Brian Tyree Henry's character, Bernie? Because I love Brian Tyree Henry and I have never seen him do a comedy like this before. It kind of threw me off because I knew he was in the movie and I was like, is that who I think that is? Like, it's not, it's not actually Brian Tyree Henry, right? Like he's being really funny and silly. Uh, and he's again, like he's a character who brings a fair amount of camp into this. He's a modern day version of camp. He's a podcaster who has this, you know, belief that there's this sinister plot going on beneath the surface that no one knows about. And, you know, he's embedded himself in Apex and is slowly leaking information and trying to, you know, unveil it to the world and all of these things. And just, you know, everything involving his character, I felt like was somewhere, I think it towed the line for me, I'll admit, of where it could have gone real south. And I think that they did a good job in the editing of keeping him just above that line of, really too dumb to to take to to take seriously to to use a weird phrase but like he was just funny enough to kind of poke at that social commentary of you know he he's our end to corporations that conspiracy theory type stuff where we can believe it a little bit um and and i think he's got i think i i like the fact that he's eccentric and a little bit off i don't think you can be obsessed with those things and not go a little crazy to to be honest you know if you're you know careful about everybody that comes to your door there's a level of like anxiety you live with that it comes out in the performance really well i thought oh no he's great comic relief i mean there are some moments especially on the rewatch i watched where some of the jokes are like, oh, okay, I can see, I can see myself getting tired of this act. But he does very well adding, you know, comedy to the film. I mean, I just love mostly the way they build his character up. It's just being this really obsessive and just guy who's fearful of anything the government does. Like he showers with bleach. I, I, when, when that first came up, I kind of like turned to Mallory. I, was I like, can't be right. How does he? How does he get away with that? Ouch! <laughs> On your skin? Oh, <laughs> like. <laughs> And at first, I thought they said something about him drinking bleach, and I was like, wait a minute, now, now that's ridiculous, but luckily that turned out to be just like a misunderstanding from Josh's character when he goes talk to the store clerk. I mean, I, I loved it, I mean, he's, he's the comic relief guy, and you you see those characters all the time, and Brian Tyree Henry, he's a really good guy at comedy, if you get a chance, you should watch the FX show Atlanta with um Donald Glover. He plays a character named Paperboy in there, and he is more funnier in that show than what you'll see in anything. I mean, he has a, a good grip for comedy and drama, so he's a rare, well-rounded guy. But I also noticed that his outfit kind of looked like the same thing he was wearing in his mini scene in Joker. I'm not sure if you caught that. Like I did with, not, like, the, no. uh, the clerk, the little sh- collar shirt that the clerk's little wear and the pants and everything. I was like, did you just come from, you know, um, Joker and everything? <laughs> came onto the warner brothers lot and did this film <laughs> maybe so maybe they liked him they're like hey we're just gonna insert you here and kind of play off of that uh but yeah i mean i liked him i think 
I thought Alexander Skarsgård was fun. You commented to me offline that it was very comparable to how you saw Tom Hiddleston in Kong Skull Island. And I would agree, like, he feels mm-hmm. like that sort of inclusion in this movie where you take... I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, Eric, the bl- the vampire from True Blood, which is where <laughs> most people kind of know Alexander Skarsgård from the start. And, like, how sexy he is. His sex appeal is, like, kind of this big domineering man. And he's this nerdy physics guy, you know, who knows all about Hollow Earth and can't sell a book and, you know, hovers around in a basement of a university or whatever. Um, so I, I thought it was a lot of fun to see him kind of get to flex that muscle and just be fun and lighthearted. I, I don't normally see him like that. And I had a fun moment, too, where when the ship that they're on is getting ready to go through the storm. They're transporting Kong. He's there's a couple of shots of him on the bridge of the ship. And I just had a fun flashback to the battleship, the movie, which I actually really, really <laughs> love being a Navy guy. I don't care what people say. And in that movie, he's also a Naval officer. And so it just reminded me, I was like, Oh, he's back at his roots. Just give him control of the guns. He's got this. Um, but did you like him in this one? Oh yeah, of course I like this character. You know, um, I, saw the Tom Hilson comparison as a good one because I love Tom Hilson also in Kong Skull Island. Um, I mean, he was the guy who brings you the science, the science of the film. He brings you the method of how they're going to get the the power to make a weapon that could defeat Godzilla because Godzilla has turned against, you know, the world except that he was provoked, which is the only time he attacks. So he, he brings the knowledgeable aspect of the story to the forefront. And, you know, I like this character. Um, my only beef with the characters I could say is when I see Lance Riddick in the credits of your film, I expect for him to have a substantial supporting role because he's like a great character actor. He's one of the best character actors we have right now. And to see him before the Battle of Kong Kong only get one sentence where he says, hey, I told you this is going to happen. We're going to be out in 20 minutes. And you never see him again. And I, I don't know what, I don't know why he was only there for one scene. I don't know if he had any other obligations in the film. It was disappointing to me. So I can tell you why, because I did research when I got home because it bothered me. (laughs) So (laughs) I felt the exact same way. Lance Reddick is awesome. I have been a huge fan of his ever since the show Fringe. Uh, I just think he's amazing. And you're right. He's, he's the kind of guy, like he has such a gravitas and a presence that you don't not know who he is. He's that guy. When you see him, you're like, oh, man, it's that guy. And both he and Kyle Chandler, who has been in the previous Godzilla film, he shows up for like two scenes here. You know, at the, he gets he gets or three scenes. I think he gets one in the beginning when his daughter goes to see him and try to talk him into doing something. He gets another one where he sends a text and she's not answering it. And then he and he gets told, go to Hong Kong. And then he gets the ending scene with her where he tells Joss to shut up, which feels really weird, like, out of nowhere. So here's what happened. This movie had a ton more content in it. And a lot mm. of the content in this movie was part of continuing this story kind of in a deeper way that would lead to more stories. So if you notice, this does not have a post credit scene like the previous films. There's no kind of fun teaser, which the other films have had, and they're really well done. That's because there's not necessarily a given plan to continue this, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So you'll see Continue the Monsterverse trending on Twitter, 
go get on that, people, because we want that to happen. But because of that, they did a lot of cutting um, to get this sucker down. And what I found out is most of Lance Reddick's character and most of extra Kyle Chandler stuff was all like in the first half of the film, the buildup, mm-hmm. and it got chopped off. And I think that there's a contractual reason, like they had to keep him in there. And so that's why you see this like one scene <laughs> with him, which I-, I understand from a contract perspective, but it really is distracting because you're like, who is he? So I guess he's the new director of Monarch or something. But never it, who he, was. he never tells you, right? And they never explain who he is in this movie. Uh, and it actually leads to my other kind of sort of character criticism. And these were minor. All of these were minor for me in the big, you know, big scheme. But these are the drawbacks. These are the flaws if we're going to talk about them. And that's Sarazawa's son. Uh, Rin Sarazawa is mm-hmm. the Mecha Godzilla pilot who is working with Walter Simmons. Well, he's Sarazawa's kid. Like, there's a story about why his son would be the one working with the villain, essentially, or whatever, the evil corporation trying to take down Godzilla. We can speculate and be like, oh, because he probably sees Godzilla as being the reason for his dad's death, which Mm -hmm. he was in a way, but that's never addressed in the movie, and he's never given any character development, and if you're going to create a character and have a tie for him like that, I feel like I, I wanted more. Like, I wanted to know... I think that's just rich, you know, like, tell, I want more story there. Yeah, I feel like that, I feel like that going back to what you're saying about the cuts, you know, for me, I'm wondering, you know, were they, were they planning when they were shooting all these scenes, were they planning on doing this monster verse or did this come as a later development to where we're just going to stop these films right here and not make any more? Cause Hearing you talk about these extra scenes, I feel like these extra scenes could have add like a little bit more meat to the story, and this film could have diverted away from the criticism that it's getting, which I don't think is justified because you gotta pick your poison. Um, for me, maybe, maybe with the success of this film, maybe with how much money it's making and some of the critical acclaim it's getting, maybe this could spur another movie to start the MonsterVerse. But we're we're already reaching to a rabbit hole where we already had the Snyder cut, which had a bunch of momentum behind it. And now it's now just going to be like every time a series like this ends, which is becoming a fan favorite. Now we're just going to get people to just clamoring for more and more and more. And I wonder what the studios are thinking about when they just decide just to end these series like this. And it's the same studio in this case. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same studio. So, <laughs> so what is Warner brothers going to do? Because they do have a hit on their hands here. And I mean, all of these movies have made money. So I I don't understand either what the purpose of ending this was. I do think that they kind of jumped the gun a bit by getting us to Kong and Godzilla so fast and by throwing all those monsters into King of the Monsters. Because if you remember the opening of this film, it actually shows like what's going on in the meantime. And it has that fun little graphic where it's like Godzilla defeated, do, 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 do. it's like a bracket, like a tournament bracket, where Godzilla defeated all these these monsters, and then Kong defeated the Skull Crushers or whatever, and all these monsters. So there's not a lot of Titans left out there. Theoretically, Godzilla has pretty much wiped them all out, mm-hmm. and now they've gone their separate ways, and like it's going to be Kong here and Godzilla here. What's the new threat going to be? Uh, you know, it would have been, I think, nice if they'd have slow played it a little more. But there's 
plenty of opportunity, I think. And I'll tell you what I want to see when we get into that um, part. And, I mean, actually, we'll just move on there. Like, so Hollow Earth, right, is the mm-hmm. other kind of big new plot point, I guess, of this. We have the the story of bringing Kong out, going to Hollow Earth to get this power energy source so that Walter Simmons and Apex can theoretically power this weapon to kill Godzilla because he wants the Earth, the humans, humanity to be the Apex predator on Earth again, which is interesting. And we'd had Hollow Earth teased in previous movies, uh, and so I thought it was really cool that we got to go there. Again, I had watched this trailer, and I had read nothing about this movie, and it did me a service because I was surprised when I found out we were going to Hollow Earth, and I love it. I'm a big fan of any kind of movie that is underneath the surface, um, spelunking. I've watched almost all the Journey to the Center of the Earth adaptations. There are many bad ones, uh, but you know this is an interesting concept of how that could look, and I thought it was awesome. The the cool sci-fi vehicle that they called the Heave looked really cool and we get to learn that this is Kong's true home. And so for me, I think like the future of this series is really Kong is ruling in his domain of hollow earth and Godzilla is ruling on the surface. We have room now for solo opportunity, right? To explore Kong and what's happening down here in hollow earth that Kong has to deal with and what's happening up here in the surface world that Godzilla has to deal with before eventually, duh, I mean, Godzilla versus Kong too, they have to come back together, right? <laughs> like, I I mean, I'm writing this for you, Warner's Brothers, let's do this. So I think there's a great opportunity there. And for me, like, Hollow Earth is fascinating. And I wanted a lot more. It was enough to satisfy me, but it left my mouth salivating because we don't get much information about it. But what we did get made me so curious, like, what kind of life is on this planet or this inner planet? And how did the ruling system go? Like, where did this axe come from? Like, how did he, he has this massive axe and how, how did his family die? Cause his parents are dead, mm-hmm. you know, Kong's parents. And how did he become king? And are there other like large monkeys and apes in this world? Cause we always saw was like a dragon snake flying thing. I, I just, I, I want. I wanted so much more. I thought it was really cool the way they did it, but like I seriously could have, you know, used 30, 45 more minutes of hollow earth time. And I would have loved it. You could have made a whole film about hollow earth. That's how much I wanted to know about it. You know, when we first go there, we get explained by Dr. Lind about how we're going to be traveling a thousand miles in two seconds. And the world is going to be inverted and is, we're going to be going up and Khan's going to be falling down and then we're going to get spit up right back down into the ground. And the the moment where the sound just cuts out and it's just a black screen, I was in it. I was in it. And then we get just a terrific sound design, the way that the ship sounds where it's pushing through the inverse and the visuals. I mean, Hollow Earth looks amazing. You know, it's like you have this kind of orange looking ground and the atmosphere is very wide and the radiation all around the 
all around the ground. I mean, honestly, it to me looked like an alternate Wakanda. <laughs> it looked like this. Yeah. Was, this is King Kong's Wakanda right here. The radiation even looked like vibranium <laughs> when he was walking through it the whole time. And seeing all the different species of animals and just the way like how what are these animals what do they do like what are what are their um dislikes you know what are their defense mechanisms you know seeing kong go in and get his big stick and that was a triumphant moment for me got kong getting his stick and just beating his chest and then screaming and it was way of him communicating i'm home this is where i feel comfortable at this is where i should have been the whole time and we saw in skull island that that's where his ancestors came from but Hollow Earth is like the motherland. This is where this is where I can roam free and not have to worry about bowing down to anybody. Because the lady said that Khan doesn't bow down to anybody. Like he's home. This is where he needs to be. But there's a lot of answers that can be uncovered. And you know, sadly, we didn't get too much time in there because I wanted to spend a lot of time in that place. Um, and just seeing the manner in which Godzilla is able to peek that Kong is down in the hollow earth and him blowing the atomic breath down there. But it's crazy because then you see Kong look down there and he's like, he's looking down, but it's actually up. And the whole inverse thing, it just was reminding me of like Tenet yeah. away from me, just yeah. forwards and then there's a backwards. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. That Those moments, both him getting the ax for the first time and realizing he's home, these were almost connecting point moments for me. And then him grabbing the, edge of that hole and like peering into the hole like looking at it that was just i mean those are like the moments you live for action movies and cinema like you just you're like he's i'm coming to get you like we're gonna do this and you just know and then he's like it's like him like doing a superman thing essentially like him coming up through that that tunnel that godzilla made and then you know crawling out with his axe ready to go back to war oh it is amazing feeling to watch that uh but yeah i i'm with you like i would love to see more of hollow earth i, I wish that you know i miss talking about her i wish that maya simmons the daughter of damian bashir's character who i love damian bashir too by the way mm-hmm. i think he's great as the corporate villain in this but like his daughter aya gonzalez she's awesome in this as well i think she plays her nepotistic role like she's an apple that didn't fall far from the tree you know she's just like her dad and it's all what they want and they're gonna get what they want and i just love the way that i hate that she died because i would have liked to see more of her character strangely but the way that they die it's so unceremonious (laughs) it's like they're just trying to get out and all of a sudden kong snatches them and i love that he looks into the window of the heave to see who's in there. Like he wants to make sure it's not the people he trusts and loves. And the moment he realizes who it is, he's just, and it's, they're done. No, no comment about them ever comes out again. Also the Wi-Fi in hollow earth is legit because (laughs) somehow did you notice like the whole download upload signal to Hong Kong? I was like, really, really people. I can't even like, Get, get us i can't even walk to my mailbox without losing this thing now, tell me how you are uploading this sample from from it has been, like the highest google fiber that you can get yeah in, like what, what is going on man that that was a little bit i was like now i know we're sci-fi at that point um well so speaking of the corporations and walter simmons character the villain of this apex is he a villain is he fully a villain so 
I wanted to talk about this because the idea here is they create a Mecha Godzilla and they they do some villainous things in luring Godzilla to cause destruction so that they will then have a reason to have the world back them when they fight Godzilla. That's essentially what's happening here. But do you think this is how the nations of the world would react if this was a real scenario? Like, what would we do and what should we do if Godzilla exists? Let's imagine the beginning of this movie. How should we actually be kind of processing that? I feel that we have to kind of go back to the first film in the MonsterVerse Godzilla, where we see um, the scientist, um, Sirizawa, he's talking with the people and they're wondering like, hey, we should just like, we should try try to blow up Godzilla. We should try to fight it with whatever we can, drop a nuclear weapon. And he's like, no, like, you think that you're in control of nature, but nature is always in control of humans. You got to let Godzilla roam the earth as best as possible. Like, try to make him a friend to the world. And I feel that is the best possible way to deal with prehistoric titans like this if they were warming the earth. I mean, what can you do against Godzilla? What can you do against Kong? I mean, you saw they had fighter jets shooting plenty of missiles at them. We seen bullets bounce off of them. We see that nothing really hurts them. Like we even saw when Godzilla was getting destroyed by Mecha Godzilla, he was taking a lot of damage, but he still kept coming and coming and coming. So these animals will never run out of energy and whatever threat that they see or perceive, they're going to take it out and destroy it and do what they can, like how they've been brought up to be. That's what they're, that's biologically how they are. So the tactic, I could see people panicking, people going into a fit, wondering about the extension of the human race, cause these animals are unstoppable, so they would try any method to get rid of them. I could see nuclear weapons being used, but as we've seen in any film about nuclear weapon, Nuclear weapons may do the job, but you're also risking the lives of ordinary people. You know, it's not just a case where you're always going to be able to get Godzilla in the middle of the ocean and bomb him safely away from other people. Like, no. Anytime the military uses a biological weapon, there's a danger of it impact of a human cost. And in the film, we see that human cost and destruction costs at a high level. And while many people would say, like, oh, my God, like, how many people, like, how many people have died? Like, how many billions of damage has been done to Hong Kong? Like, that's what it really truly is like. And, and at that point, you have to wonder, do we as humans bend down to nature instead of trying to force it or control it? Because the one thing about nature is that nature always wins. You know, that's the matter of the point. I mean, if nature could go on without any humans living on this earth, we could be all gone from the earth. And nature will still continue to thrive and grow and be bountiful. It's, it's a matter of do you want to do it the peaceful way? And do you want to submit that you don't have any control? Because we see Walter Simmons. Yes, we see him do villainous things to get Godzilla and probe him to come towards Hong Kong so he can unleash Mega Godzilla and show that humans are still the apex, you know, of the food chain. But... Also, you see that he understands that humans can be extinct from these animals. He, like, millions of lives, can, billions of lives can be lost. Worldwide damage that most countries and cities will never be able to recover from. I see he's thinking that in the back of his head, and this is why he had the motivation to create Mega Godzilla. Now, there's also a danger of the Mega Godzilla because we get into a conversation about artificial intelligence. We see that Zirozawa's son... He is not able to have to complete the Masonic link connection. He ends up 
burning out and getting electrocuted, and Mechagodzilla is able to roam on his own. Now, Mechagodzilla would be the scariest part because you saw the rockets, all the way it moves, it moves very agile, and one for one, it's a robot. It way too be- damn agile, by the way. I was like, are you kidding? Well, how is this thing moving like a ninja? I mean, this thing was, whew, that was not acting like a robot. <laughs> He was moving like Russell Wilson out of, outside. The right out of the pocket, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just dipping and diving. I was like, yep. wow, th- there's no way Godzilla is going to be able to take Because Godzilla is kind of thick, you know. So yeah. he was just moving around trying to gain speed. But Mega Godzilla is the one that I'm most afraid of. So it's a case of Walters. Like, you created something to get rid of a threat, but you also created a new threat. <laughs> you know, I think... My take on that was that it was King Ghidorah's consciousness that overtook Mechagodzilla. So because they were linked to King Ghidorah's skull and his DNA, and there was some gobbledygook speak about this from Bernie during the movie about what was he, you know, real rattle off some sci-fi crap about an explanation. But like I, that was the way I understood it was essentially... The Psy-Link broke, and so then it would be King Ghidorah, not some random AI, that it would essentially be King Ghidorah's consciousness, which would make sense as to why it wants to fight Godzilla, uh, you know, still. So it's interesting. I don't know. I would love for somebody to come on social media at the end of this and and explain this to me, because I don't know how that actually probably played out, but that's how I viewed it. But, like, either way, like you said, yes, Mecha Godzilla on the loose is... Just as bad, if not worse, because it doesn't have a purpose. At least Godzilla has a purpose. His purpose is to essentially protect by taking out the other threats. None of these people, good or bad, none of these monsters care about collateral damage, though. And that's the issue, is that, like, humans are tiny. And so where I see this being sort of a realistic response is corporations don't care about the collateral damage, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And so for Simmons, you know, instigating the attacks that would bring Godzilla in and allowing him to wreck Hong Kong to have this battle is worth it because the end result is getting rid of the thing that can terrorize the entire Earth. And there's, to me, there's some level of like, okay. You know, like, it's like a vaccine. Somebody gotta, somebody gotta try it <laughs> and find out if it works. You know, like, somebody's gonna die from it because that's inevitable. And that's how you learn, unfortunately. And so I don't, and I love that about this. Like, he's not just a mustache twirling evil villain. He leans that way, but like, there's some reality to what he is doing in that I would be terrified of letting Godzilla just roam free and the expectation that he's really just out chilling in the ocean waiting to protect us five years from now. Like, it would be very difficult, I think, for the world to comprehend accepting something like that. I mean, look what happened when one nation got nuclear technology, which is the whole point of, like, the Godzilla series in the beginning is it's commentary on that. Then everybody else needed to get the same thing. No one wants to let anybody else have the upper hand in the world. One nation, one mm-hmm. area. So, like, how are we going to accept a Godzilla? So, yeah, I actually think it would go down very similar to this. And if we could, in fact, build a Mecha Godzilla, um, 
I don't know. But that'd probably be Elon Musk behind that project. Oh, right there. he probably <laughs> already has one, to be honest. Yeah. Well, that's what I was making the joke about the Jaeger earlier. Like, I need a Pacific Rim and Godzilla spinoff. Like, I need a crossover film because the Jaegers in Pacific Rim are what I want to see fight Godzilla. Like, I mean, essentially, there were so many moments, especially with that psionic link of him doing Mecha Godzilla. I was like, we really are like channeling Pacific Rim's storyline here. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, so we talked about the, the battle. Uh, collateral damage, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of hit or miss. I'll be honest. The first battle on the ships when the Navy fleet was out there transporting Kong, I cringed a little. So I, I mean, I've spent many years of my life at sea and I don't like watching ships get dragged underwater in half pieces because people, that's just awful. And Godzilla, it, as cool as it looks to watch Godzilla, like, literally hopping from ship to ship every step he took would have legitimately broken that ship in half there's no way he's like jumping from ship to come on that's insane all of those people are dead <laughs> all of those people are dead. <laughs> and we don't really get to see many of them die and i think that's obviously on purpose it's much like an avengers film and you know how they had the commentary on that with age of ultron and later on in the mcu because there's this idea that new york gets destroyed but you don't see any of the humans die same thing happens in hong kong how many millions of people died in that and then combined with the fleet and all of those people that die and so then you if you let your brain go there it starts going well okay was it worth it was their sacrifice worth it you know would they have chosen that you know and and, and all this stuff like should we be rooting for success of this battle when millions of people in hong kong innocently died I think you have to just pretend it's not inhabited, essentially. Like, you just have to let that go. That's why they don't show the damage uh, of people, because they don't want you to think about that. We want to enjoy the battle, and we can't have both, Coles. We really can't. Like, you can't have the type of fight between Godzilla and Kong that you want to enjoy if you also have the Man of Steel-ish, again, another example collateral damage if you if you want the story that's serious that's really going to focus in on reality of people dying that's a much different movie you can't then also enjoy watching my man kong leaping off the side of the building like it's an octagon and ufc and superman punching godzilla in the head like you, you don't you can't pick up a crane and hit a man well a lizard with a crane if if it's that movie and so I didn't mind it because I thought that the the fight scenes is what I wanted. I wanted giant towering monsters scaled with the skyscrapers of the city so I could see and understand how huge they were. And I wanted to see the strategy of Kong being able to think on the top of his, you know, on the fly and jump up to a building and take a satellite dome off the top of a building and use it as a shield like you don't get that if you're worried about collateral damage. You just don't. And so I enjoyed it. I thought the look of it was awesome. I thought the choreography of the fight scenes was freaking epic. Like it was, it exceeded my expectations because some of me was like, are they just going to punch each other? Like what, how do monsters fight? You know, <laughs> like what do they do? Very much. Very cool. Uh, absolutely loved it. I, I will rewatch this movie dozens and dozens of more times in my life because of that. And, and I mentioned my favorite, my favorite moments are Kong. So I, I love Kong. 
my the second round essentially is where Kong does his most damage and punishes Godzilla with his axe and with that shield um making this explosion and just I mean he just gives him the business and so those are my favorite moments is when Kong is doing that and then also when Kong drops his axe at the end after they've defeated Mecha Godzilla which by the way Kong saves Godzilla's life from Mecha Godzilla <laughs> Kong is the one who actually kills Mechagodzilla. And then Kong is the bigger man. And I just want to put that out there. He's the bigger man. Not only is he the more intelligent species, but he is the bigger man. Because when it comes down to it and they're giving each other the stare down at the end, he drops the axe and he's like, it's okay, bro. You go do you. I'm going to do me. I'm going to let this be. That's not bowing down. That's being the bigger man. And so I appreciate that. And it just makes me love Kong even more. But... What were uh, what did you think about all the fight stuff? The fight stuff was incredible. The biggest complaint I had about King of Monsters was that the fighting for me in that film just didn't fit the type of scale and caliber that I felt the potential was teased to us in the trailer of Godzilla King of the Monsters. I felt that the fights they were covered up in a lot of smoke, a lot of dust and it was so dark. Moving. Yeah. <laughs> it was dark. I couldn't hardly see anything. <laughs> It, it felt like these all the monsters were moving like they had cement on their shoes. You know, even the flying monsters didn't feel as acrobatic and just dashing as I thought they would. And so I love that Kong, it felt like he was an 80s action hero. He was arcadey. He was leaping off of buildings like he was Spider-Man without the web. And he was using tactics. He was able to use a stick whenever it was right to do it. He wasn't just punching. It wasn't just Godzilla whipping his tail around. Godzilla was choosing at times when to use his atomic breath, and he was choosing at times when to use a sleight of hand to fool Kong and get the fight over to his advantage. I like how one round you could tell Godzilla got the better of him. Then the next round you can see, okay, Kong got the better of him. And then you can see the last battle, you can see that Godzilla has a chance to just destroy Kong, but he lets him go. Of course, after he gives him some more trash talking, I just love when they both scream at each other throughout random moments of the film. It's just them trash-talking, probably trading some vicinities, saying stuff about each other's moms and families and whatnot. I mean, it's all glorious. And another thing that gets lost in this is the visual design. I love seeing the emotion in each of their faces. Like, Godzilla has this jagged, kind of crusty look to him, but you can tell when he, like, looks angry or when he's pleased with doing something. The and same we haven't thing, seen that before for Godzilla. That? The other movies, he's he's treated from a distance. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like you can, you have to imagine what his face looks like because it's mostly covered up by some smoke and jets passing by. And then with Kong, you can easily tell when he's content, when he's happy. The scenes with um the girl, uh, Gia, where they're doing sign language and you can see the calming presence that she is for him. And we can see him when he's mad and when he's ready to go and when he had, when he's ready to just bash in Godzilla. It, it's all great. It's all great. I, I love the choreography. I love that they went full throttle with it. If you're going to do destruction and mayhem, it's better to go all the way with it instead of doing limiting caveats on it. You know, like, don't be afraid. It's a film. Hey, we can suspend we can suspend reality and see that, hey, there's no people in these buildings. I don't want to imagine people's cars being trampled or houses being destroyed and the dollars and dollar amounts it's going to take to rebuild these cities. Like, no. Just give me the big Royal Wumble and let it go from there. And I like that this film just 
they just went full they just went full 100% with it and i think my favorite moment for me is um when after the battle after the ship and Godzilla is circling the water and he sees that Kong is laying down the ship and Kong is looking at him like he's ready to go for another round and then Godzilla just kind of just he's like okay I'm gonna wait for it and then just lets it go and, and swims away and I also it's a minor scene but I love in Hollow Earth when Kong is is fighting against one of the wing monsters he pretty much just destroys the wing monster rips them apart and drinks his blood straight like almost like a coca-cola <laughs> and i love and i love isa gonzalez he's like ew that and she goes, that's gross which that's the kind of thing that i love about this movie is when she says that that's literally what like is on the tip of all the audience members tongues like you're thinking to yourself ew that's gross and she verbalizes exactly what you would say and yeah like that was oh I mean, it was gross, but yes, it was very cool as well. Also, at the beginning, when he strips down that tree, and the first moment where we realize he's in a new containment facility, and he chucks it up at the uh, the the dome they've got that's kind of like faking his little containment area there, that was cool too, I think. Just kind of seeing the scale of like him poking a hole, and then noticing like there's multiple holes like where he's clearly done it before. Uh, that was uh, really fun too, but yeah, I liked it. I loved, uh, and I loved the action. I loved every single thing about the action. I, there's not a single thing I would change. Uh, I think it was perfect, honestly, the fight scenes. And I love the color. I love the neon. It's a very Adam Wingard thing. And I liked that he got to put his stamp on this. The soundtrack is electronic. That's another Adam Wingard staple. It just works. It all works. And like, I mean, I, I want to go watch it again right now. Just talking about yes. it. It's that kind of movie. So yeah, it's it's a blast. Uh, people probably want to hear me say this, so I'm going to say it. I will acknowledge that Godzilla won the fight in the ocean, even though it was an unfair fight because my man can't swim and go underwater. So we need to put the asterisk, but Godzilla won that. And I will also acknowledge that, yes, Godzilla did get the better of him during the third fight. However... Also, would like to add an asterisk because Kong's shoulder is dislocated in this fight. And so he's fighting extremely wounded. Godzilla doesn't have to worry about this because he's got little tiny hands. And he <laughs> doesn't have to worry about his shoulders like that. So I think it's a little unfair. And when it comes to the fact that everybody wants to talk trash and say, Oh, but your, your, your monkey's heart stopped and he had to, you know, get a defibrillator, blah, blah, blah. No, you're looking at it wrong. What you, what you need to look at it is, Kong has friends and Kong <laughs> succeeded because he has friends who were there to help him. And to me, that makes him the winner. Yes. I mean, we, you know, in this country, we, we, um, try to build up these people who do it on their own, but in reality, no one does anything spectacular on their own. Like you need some help. You need that person who's in the corner. Who's going to be like, Hey, get back up there. Like, Hey, try again. Like, never failure you know just somebody like that and gia they were the she was the hype man and dr lynn came through and gave him the charged up he had to be charged back up his battery his internal battery was going dead he got charged back up he came in there and like you said he did kill mega godzilla which i think would count as probably the best kill of the movie the importance of a maniac artificially intelligent control robot just roaming around and destroying city to city with no thought about it i think 
that means a lot in the bit scheme of things. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I'm glad we are on the same page. And so if the internet disagrees with us, they can come tell us why on social media. Well, before we get into the connecting points, uh, Kales, why don't you tell people real quick about our letterbox partnership and something we have that they can take advantage of. Well, we recently have made a partnership with Letterbox, the best social media app on the planet. If you are a film fan and you want to have space to check out what your friends are watching and have those lily perks such as stat tracking your films and logging them in, give this a shot. We currently have an offer if you put in the code Feeling Film, and that's F-E-E-L-I-N. You can get 20% off a pro or a patron subscription to Letterbox, and if you already have an account, the code will work the same way if you're looking to renewal or looking for an upgrade. And I can say for me, when my renewal comes up, I'm upgrading to a Patreon. <laughs> Good deal. Yeah, I did that last year and I couldn't be happier. And I'll admit, like, part of it is you get some – actually, they put out some new stats for patrons uh, just recently that are really cool. They allow you to see your – what is it? Is it? I think it's a dozen of each. There's a, It'll let you see your top 12 – films that are rated higher than the letterboxed average and they'll let you see your 12 lowest rated films that are opposite of the letterboxed average so like for me armageddon's on mine because it's a five-star movie and the average is you know like twos <laughs> or something and then jojo rabbit's on mine in the opposite direction because oh. because <laughs> i gave it a one and and it's got like a much higher obviously much higher overall uh, feeling for that one so that's a cool patron feature that we just got uh, for easter uh, but it, it also to me i'm just a fan of supporting things that i love like i want to see letterbox continuing to grow and be developed and expand and get cool and big and so like i'm ready i'm willing to like throw in my money uh, as much as i can to help them do that i get a lot out of it but yeah check it out use that code okay connecting point time what have you got for yours Mines is um Kong um realizing that Godzilla is not the real enemy they need to be worried about that it's Mecha Godzilla and he comes to Godzilla aid and they come together to take out Mecha Godzilla that was my connecting point because for many of these films I know the hype is around the battle of two people but for me I always will be in love with the reversal when two enemies have to come together and see past their differences in order to take out a threat that's bigger than them or a threat to other people and they have to put down their pride and ego in order to achieve that and i love seeing both of these legendary monsters i mean kong king kong you know you have fans of king kong on this side and then you got fans of godzilla on this side and it felt like when Kong got back up to help out godzilla it was like that scene in predator where you know arnold and you know carl weathers are in that muscle macho like arm wrestle thing and they come together and I felt that the same way. I felt the same way about that. And just seeing them both grab an arm of Mecha Godzilla and just taking turns bashing them in, and then eventually Kong realizing that it's time to put the stick down, and Godzilla realizing, hey, we can be in this world together. We can inhabit it without being at fight. I know our families have beef, but we don't have to be like this. I'm going to let you go your way, and you can go your way. And I love that. You know, it's, it's very simple for me. You know, I'm a very simple guy. You know, things like this just interest me as a child seeing these monsters and just wondering, like, hey, what would it be like if Godzilla and Kong actually teamed up together and just took down Titans and whatnot? I would love to see a film about that. If they could, if they could make a film with just Godzilla and Kong being like the buddy cops taking down 
like criminal titans around the world, that would be my <laughs> kind of film. <laughs> I, I'm here for that. I'm here for whatever the criminal titan. I mean, I, we may have to go to space, I guess, but like whatever. Vin Diesel and Tom Cruise can take you to space and launch you out there and we'll fight some space titans together. I love it. I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. And mine is essentially it's the humanizing of Kong. It's the reason that I feel like he's so relatable and easy to root for. And it's the reason he's my favorite. Those who love Godzilla, I understand big, bad, cool lizard with laser, nuclear, whatever breath. But Kong has humanistic qualities and he emotes even more. I mean, until this film, Godzilla didn't. And it's the moment on the ship that really seals it for me. It's where we first get that next level of his humanistic changes where there's this bad storm and he is not feeling right about it. He's scared and he does not like the fact that he's chained down and Gia walks out in the storm and she brings him comfort and it's because she understands him and she is able to calm him down. And it's where we learn that Kong has been picking up sign language and he's able to communicate back. And I just love that. I love the connection with her that he has throughout the film. And that's really, I guess, in a nutshell, my connecting point. I think it's a great thread and storyline, how we start there. And then she has to use that power and that, that relationship that she's built with him. She has to lie to him in order to get him to go down to Hollow Earth because they don't really know what's down there. And she doesn't feel good about that. And I think that that's a really cool, uh, realistic thing to put in this movie about relationships. And then ultimately, like you said, I love that you call her the hype man, but she's the one who has to get him back. And she's like, I need you to go do this. Do it for us. But she adds that, please be careful to it because she cares about him. And like she genuinely does. She loves him and he understands that and he feels that and he's able to reciprocate that and just makes him such a special character to me. And I, I love their relationship. And I hope that wherever this series goes, I hope that Gia is a part of it because I feel like whatever the backstory is as to why she's the last Iwi native from Skull Island, like she is part of Kong's life and she is a person I want to see grow up with him and their relationship. It just fascinates me and it's incredibly sweet. And I thought that it was really cool that they use sign language to communicate and yeah, just it just just really gives the film like an emotional layer that I need. And it makes me enjoy allowing myself to let go and go crazy and, and have fun with the big monster bits even more so. So that was mine. Well, that's all, folks, for this episode of Feeling Film. We appreciate you giving us a slice of time out of your day. And if you want to keep the conversation going or give us your thoughts on any film, any film, Find us in the Awesome Feeling Film Discussion Facebook group. Aaron, thanks for another great conversation, and we will talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, 
you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.